Hello guys, my name is Helen. And my name is Tayo, we're the Imprint Leicester interns. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're new, we would love for you to subscribe to our channel, Imprint TV, and you can also find us on Imprint Podcast. Enjoy the rest of the service. God bless.
partnership between God and the Christian family, the church. God is the source of all things, including our money, and we give back to him in the form of tithes and offerings. This enables the church to undertake the work to which God has called us, extending the kingdom and giving to his name. You can give by a bank transfer or at weareimprint.org give. Hello family, um, good afternoon wherever you're watching me. I uh, just want to welcome you to the imprint service live online. Um, yeah, I really miss you guys um, and I really hope soon and very soon we'll be able to sort of meet each other once again, gather, worship God once again and boy, would that be a service. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an understatement uh, for me to really bring across how grateful I am to be set where I'm set right now, um, even to have the strength and the energy to do so. Um, and that's because of your prayers. That's because of a, a community that's behind me. So on behalf of me and mine, just want to say a complete and big thank you. But yes, we're zooming in. We're zooming in. So as a community, you've been following us. We've been talking about our Kairos moments. Um, Kairos moments. Um, we believe that as a community, uh, we should develop in the same way that the sons of Issachar developed. Um, someone's asking who are the sons of Issachar, and that's where we derive the word Kairos from. Uh, when you go to First Chronicles chapter 12, verses 32, the sons of Issachar, the Bible records, were a people, were a group of men that knew the seasons and they knew the times and the new emphasis. 
So I lay emphasis on what they knew here. They knew exactly what Israel should do. I believe that if we're going to grow and identify uh, our Kairos moments, we need to get into the habits of knowing exactly what to do. Um, and if you've been following, Pastor ST opened us up, took us off running. Um, he opened up things that, boy, maybe you weren't thinking about at all. I think even me, myself, when I listened to what Pastor ST was talking about, I realized seasons where I've been in warfare and boy, I didn't know it. So if I'm in warfare and I don't know it, best believe it might not be except for the grace of God a win in warfare. But thanks be to God, he's the one that fights for us even when we don't know what's going on. Um, but he opened that up and I was listening to him and I was like, woof, the enemy tried to get me there. The battle on my mind, boy, I need to fight my battles here more so. Make sure that that helmet of uh, salvation is, is straight on, locked in tight. So these things have got me fired up and I know it got you fired up as well. And then boom, last week, Pastor, ST, uh, Pastor Wally came through talking about some of the defining moments about David. And if you're someone who follows, um, who's followed King David, who read his stories, you know, a re really key defining moment was actually his battle against Goliath. And, you know, maybe as far as you know, it's just a five rocks thing. He swung that, mm -mm -mm, hit him right in the middle of his head. He was out. Key defining moment to what David was supposed to be. But Pastor STO, uh, Pastor Wale opened up actually, and he showed us that actually before Goliath could have been taken down, intimidation, fear, and insecurity had to be taken out. So these are things that help us identify that well, in order for me to, to really conquer my defining moments, maybe they might be small, maybe they might be minute, maybe they maybe there might be things that I have not dealt with that will hinder me from being able to take down this ultimately large Goliath. So you've been down this journey, boy, you're physically ready. And then during the week as well, you've been a part of cruise. Knowing we're talking about our Kairos moments. Outside of cruise, you've also been a part of Dunamis. And boy, I know everyone that's at Dunamis right now is straight on fire. I think I saw something on Instagram where people were going down a, a tunnel of fire. Something along those lines. But I know that for sure, I knew the Holy Spirit is not bound by... Uh, physical contact boy just channeled out so I know people are coming out and they're also spiritually ready people are praying with each other their prayer partners know exactly what season they're in you know what season you're in you know if you're in a season of warfare now because of what we've identified so far you know even if you're in a season of separation and consecration or unto God you know that you know when you're entering a season of wealth or you're entering a season of favor you know that by now you know how to identify these things and you know how to how to defeat some of these smaller things in order to get onto the bigger stage i completely understand where we're, we're opening slowly our, our spiritual eye we're opening our eye of discernment but to the person who's ready you know you're physically ready you know you're spiritually ready you know exactly what season you're in but i'm speaking to someone who was ready but wasn't ready for something that ultimately came it seemed like it came straight out of left field. That God was revealing so much, but as for this little bit, God, where was your voice then? When you planned and you made sure that if I'm going to take control of my Kairos moment, I saw it, I anticipated it. For some people, maybe it's not a case of I didn't have this revelation, I had the revelation and I even prayed for it or even I prayed against it. But here it is right before my very eyes. So right there and then when you're faced in it, 
Is it curtains or is it Kairos? And I believe that's a question that we need to be asking ourselves after here. Is it curtains for me or is it Kairos for me? So let's dive in. So we're diving into um, a time in David's life. Uh, so just a background about King David. Um, David has defeated Goliath. Um, before defeating Goliath, um, God sends a prophet called Samuel into the house of Jesse. And he says, go and anoint the next king of Israel. Now Samuel sees all of David's sort of tall, six foot plus brothers, you know, the ones that were in the likeness of Saul. But God says, I've rejected all of these because you look on the outward appearance, but I look on the inside. Eventually, God leaves uh, Samuel to go and find David, who was just looking after sheep. And right there, a moment, David's life changed and the oil came upon his head. And right there, you would think David has met his Kairos moment. But there was another one to come in the boldness that he's just received. And maybe for you, it might have been past the ST's preaching. That was the oil that came upon your head. Then the next boldness uh, took you into Pastor Wally's sermon where you met your Goliath and you decided you were taking it down. But then after all of that, uh, if people will recall, once David kills Goliath, um, people begin to sing his praises in the streets. They say, Saul killed this much, but David even took out even more. And they were singing his praises and David himself was just, uh, whoa, how do I handle this? But fast forward, the man who was anointed, the man who was set apart by God, the man who was called to do exactly what God called him to do, found himself sort of displaced, Saul is coming after him, is persecuting him. And okay, maybe he was ready for those things. But there's a time in his life where he becomes a mercenary. Uh, now, what mercenaries do, they essentially soldiers for hire. So they say we're displaced in society and people decide, okay, we know you are men of war, so we will pay you for your service. And even actually David goes through such a confusing time in his life that the Philistines that he fought against when he killed Goliath, now they were looking to employ him. But for some strange reason, they decided they were going to go against. And if you go into 1 Samuel chapter 30, that's where we will be reading from. Um, if you were to read from before verse 29, you would find that David is about to be employed by Philistines, but actually they don't want him to fight um, because they know who exactly who he is. He was the killer of their champion Goliath. But one of the Philistine um, soldiers just saw the favor upon David's life and decided, you know, you guys leave now. So David re returns from a hard day at work. Just time where he put his life on the line, just waiting, just trodden, just uh, uh, um, waiting for the completion of this moment that he was ready for. In actual fact, maybe he wasn't ready for the oil that came upon his head. In like manner, you weren't ready uh, uh, to be start to start learning about these Kairos moments, but actually it came anyway. And it's been a big blessing. But David arrives at a hometown called Ziglag. So if we go into 1 Samuel chapter 30. Now read from verse one. It says three days later, when David and his men arrived at their hometown in Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and Ziklag, and they had crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. And they had carried off the women and children and everyone else without killing anyone. And when David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. David's two wives, Ahinoam from Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, were amongst those that were captured. So David now has lost 
Not only has his men, the people that he employs, lost everyone and their houses have been burnt down completely. Something they were not expecting when they came back home. His two wives and his children have been captured. Um, so from verse 6, it says that now David was in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and their daughters. And they began, they began talk of stoning him. So right now we find David at a particular point where he's not only lost everything right there. If it wasn't the oil, the, the kingship that was promised him by God, it seems as though he's lost that. And not only is the kingship looking like it's lost, um, Saul, as long as he's alive, is chasing after David and saying, wherever I can find you, I'm going to kill you. Because as long as I kill you, you will not fulfill this purpose that you were supposed to fulfill. But he's coming, he's um, managed to get a group of men that will follow him. He comes to Ziglag and Ziglag is completely burned down. Now I'm speaking to someone here that was geared up uh, feeling like, yes, I know how to identify my Kairos moments. Someone who was studying so hard, who was aiming for a first class. Someone who came out of uni and decided, okay, I'm going to land in the best job possible. I'm speaking to someone who decided, okay, I've done everything I need to, to ensure that my family is okay. I've done everything I need to, to ensure that my health is okay. I've done everything I need to, to ensure that my relationship with my spouse or my relationship with my friends are okay. I've been nothing but cordial. I've been nothing but perfect. Where did this come from? I've come now to my zigzag and everything is completely shattered. You who was working so hard for a first class, though it's equally as good, I know the disappointment that you feel when you see a 2-1. You who was working to ensure that your relationship is maintained, I know the disappointment and I can feel the disappointment and honestly I don't blame you for breaking down in tears like the men who surrounded David did. Because you did not anticipate that this was what was going to happen. Because you were spiritually ready. You were physically ready. If someone pointed to you and they said, a Kairos moment is coming now, you will know exactly where to be. You are right here and there. You're still a son of Issachar. I know what season I'm in. I'm in a season of warfare. I know what season I'm in. I'm in a season of wealth. I know what season I'm in. I'm supposed to be consecrated and separated unto God. But this right here, I did not anticipate it. In fact, actually, God showed me a revelation that this was going to come, but I did not think it was going to come this way. Actually, when I saw the revelation, I prayed for it or I prayed against it. I didn't expect it to come through. I stand right here. I'm at Ziglag and the men around me are crying and I completely understand. But now they're looking at me and they're saying they're going to kill me. That's where we stand right now. We stand in our zigzag moment, something that comes completely out of left and say, whoa, right there and then it's like it knocks the wind completely out of you. You think you feel as though you were not prepared, whereas you did everything you could to ensure that this would be the outcome. But I want to tell someone that right there and then we've been conditioned to go into a, a, a time of warfare. We've been conditioned to go into a time where you have to fight to ensure that the outcome still is what it is. The first thing on our mind is how can we help God? 
what can I do to ensure that this thing that God said he would do for me really surely comes to pass? Or maybe you're in another boat and you're like, whoa, I didn't see this coming and I actually don't know what God is saying about this. I want to introduce someone to a moment, the crossroads that you stand at, where you say, is it curtains or is it Kairos? And now let's look at what David did. So the Bible says, when they began talking about how they were going to stone David, it says, David found his strength in his God. Wow. So when David was in great danger, David did not stand there and say, Whoa, my home. Or whoa, Abigail. Oh my gosh, they got Abigail. Abigail was the only one that loved me. She's the only one that liked to cook for me. No, he didn't look at his other wife. Uh, um, a Hinoam and say, whoa, a Hinoam, she was the one that I really liked out of the two of them. She was the better looking and whoa, where am I going to find another one? He didn't look at his kids and say, whoa, Jason, Joseph, Kwame, Kofi, Tolu, what's going on here? Oh my gosh, they're gone. He didn't look at his relationship and say, whoa, I told everyone, this is what God said about my relationship. I told everyone, that this one here God said was my husband or my wife. I told everyone that this friendship was ordained by God. I told everyone that this man or this woman actually was never going to fall sick. I told everyone. David didn't utter a single thing about the problem. Inside of some of these moments sometimes when we're here, when we're standing at Ziglag, we cannot see if possibly there can be a Kairos moment out of this. Can this be an opportunity? Remember, that's what Kairos means. An opportunity, a fitting time or a fitting season. In terms of fitting season, this moment at Ziglag does not seem like it at all. When you've been uh, 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 trying to take this exam over and over again, application after application, and it seems like, I went to the best uni possible. I was meant to be a shoot-in. I saved myself inside of my relationship. I was supposed to come into marriage and boy, I was supposed to be fruitful and abundant. Where did this come from? But right here and there, David did one thing. Instead of speaking about his situation, he spoke to his God. The Bible says he found strength in his God. So what am I talking about now? David seized an, he seized an opportunity i.e. he seized his Kairos moments. I want to tell someone that some of these moments don't seem like they are Kairos moments until you seize them. But how do you seize them? Someone is asking me how, Justin, how? In this time, am I not allowed to cry? Yes, you are. I don't blame you for wanting to cry. In this time, am I not allowed to be frustrated because I worked so hard for this and I didn't get it? Yes, you're allowed to be frustrated. But I want to introduce you to another point of warfare. It said David found his strength inside of his God. He didn't find strength in the sheer number of what I've lost. If I work hard, I can get it back. And therefore that gives us encouragement. But for how long? How long are you encouraged until you have to come back and say, I've tried so many times to get 17 things and actually I've only got two. Therefore, 15 things are missing. Those things, they crush you. They absolutely crush you. But when you look to the author and the finisher of your faith, that's why the Bible declares, I will lift up my eyes to the hills for where cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. Inside of these moments, the first thing we should do, I want to introduce someone to some of the things that we can do. The first thing that we should run to is if you can, 
Let's get into the habit of worship. It said David found his strength inside of his God. David worshipped the Lord and just like the sons of Issachar, David in this moment when he was facing physical and certain death, not spiritual, he chose to strengthen himself in the Lord. Um, when you read uh, through the Psalms, um, and this is why I love David so much because David was a man of worship. David fought most of his battles inside of worship before they ever manifested physically. And that's how we have to move as a people who want to seize our moment. As a son of Issachar, as people of imprint who know the time and the seasons, we've got to know exactly what to do. And some moments call for nothing but worship. Some moments call for nothing but saying, oh God, this is who you are. Oh Lord, this is how marvelous you are. Oh Lord, this is how mighty you are. Nothing about my situation, but everything about who you, the Lord, are. That's how sometimes we must seize our moments. That's how we go from curtains into Kairos. It said David strengthened himself in God. When we go to Psalms chapter 18 verses 1, um, when we go to Psalms chapter 18, we find uh, um, this is a psalm that David writes when he was faced with his enemies. So theologians uh, um, have seen that this might have been a psalm that he wrote at this time when he was at Ziklag. When the enemies were coming after him and Saul was also pursuing him. It said he wrote this and the first line always marvels me. He says, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. What? Abigail is gone. Hinawam is gone. Child number one is gone. Child number two is gone. However many kids David had at that particular time, your house is gone. Your horse is gone. Your camel, your sheep, your donkey. All of them gone. How do you start your prayer with, I will love you, O Lord, my strength? Why? Because David remembers a time where he had nothing but God. So in times like this, when we want to seize our moment, it's for us to remember. Remember, remember, remember. Many a times we have amnesia too quick. Or remember when the situation didn't seem like it would be what it is. And God came through. Out of that we produce our worship. So this is what we do. When David started off, he says, Psalms 18 verses 1, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. So if David needed strength right now, no wonder he strengthened himself in God because he spoke about God being his strength. He didn't speak about the strength that he once had in his houses or the strength he had in his grade or the strength he had about going to medical school or getting into law school or, 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 or being able to start a relationship. And it seems like I've been away for too long and time is just skipping me by. No, he said, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. Why? Because one, worship is birthed out of sincere gratitude. Now, with David can in his time where he faced certain death, say the only thing I can give God is the one thing he can't get by himself. Therefore, in this time, he's Judah. Let me worship him. Worship is birthed out of sincere gratitude. And once again, it's the only thing that you can give God that God cannot get himself. Now, he will raise up rocks to praise him and to worship him. That's another thing. But that's what you are here for. You can give God something that he cannot get from inside of himself, which is worship. So David knew that there is a time where this God was my healer. So what am I going to do? I'm going to look at him and say, Lord, forget about what's going on. Let me love on you for a second and say, I believe that you are everything for me. 
I believe that you are my strength, strength like no other. I believe that this is where you shine. I believe that you will rise up like the sun with healing in your wings. I believe that you are the one that gives children. I believe that you are the one who was and is and is to come. Worship is birthed out of sincere gratitude. And if we can make it a habit to start winning, to start securing, to start taking the opportunity to worship, we can seize many, many, many more Kairos moments. So remind yourself of the God of Romans 8 verses 28 when you remember that actually it's not just some things. This circumstance is a part of the God that said, I can do. This circumstance is a part of the God that says all things, absolutely all things work together for your good. Remember when he was your strength. Um, remember when he opened this door that you wouldn't let him rest for. He's never changed. That same God is still there. And I picture David reminding him of the times where, Lord, I used to play for Saul and Saul would throw the spear at me and I would still come back and here I would serve him again. And when the lion and the bear came, there you were. And least of all, when I had my defining moments with Goliath, it was only you. Therefore, I will sing about just you and you alone because in times where these things happened, it was just you. So right now, forget about the men. Let me be on my knees and let me worship you because you deserve the praise. Only those worshipping hearts touch God because it's a heart of faith. You say, Lord, in spite of what's going on, I believe. It's a heart of faith. And those that come before God must believe that he is and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I'm exposing us to something that will help us seize more Kairos moments, which is worship. And someone is sitting there saying, yo, I don't know how to sing. I don't know how to worship. I want you to tap into uh, uh, um, this understanding that worship, worship and true worship will shift your eyes off the situation and keep it stayed on him. Worship and true worship will shift your eyes off the situation and keep us stayed on him. So therefore, if your eyes are stayed on him, you begin to remember, whoa, this actually is the same God that loved me at my dirtiest. In spite of my internet history, he loved me. In spite of the things that I did that I couldn't say to anyone else, he loved me. In spite of how unworthy I was to get this moment, he still loved me. Therefore, I believe that a God who loved me so much wouldn't bring me here to die. Therefore, let me put the things that are going on away. Let me just worship him. You touch the heart of God immediately. And understand this, number three, worship is the state of the heart. Worship is the calling of a Christian. So you don't have to be like some of the very, very anointed worshipers that we have over here at Imprint. You may not be a Temi Christina. You may not be a, a, a anointed uh, Bomadi. You may not be able to riff and run like Temi Balmore, um, but that doesn't preclude you from worship, not at all. Someone is sitting there and they say, oh, well, you, Justin, at least, you know, you can sing more than enough one or two times. I know exactly who's saying that. But I'm here to tell that person that your worship is a state of the heart. It's the true calling of a Christian. And how do I know this? When we get to Revelations chapter 4, verses 10 to 11, it details what the elders and the angels are doing before God every single time. They said 24-7 until eternity, all they do is bow down and say, holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. 
They say everything, all power, honor, and glory belongs to you. They will do that 24-7. Why? Because we're giving God the one thing that he will not get from himself. He will get it from us. And we're touching the very heart of God and we're saying, Yo, you're the biggest, brightest, most powerful thing we have ever known. It's not in the singing. It's in the heart. It's not in the singing. It's not in the words. Because if it was in the words, then boy, we need to know what so will I. Verse 2 and verse 3 says, because I don't know. But I'm still able to worship. Why? Because it's inside of my heart. It's inside of my heart. It's inside of my heart. Now, when we go into 1 Samuel chapter 9, verses 15, and this is just further to compound the fact that we don't need as many words in order to worship God. It's really inside of our heart. When you go into first chapter, first, first Samuel, sorry, chapter one, verses nine to 15, it talks about how Hannah was the wife of Elkanah and how God has shut her womb. In chapter nine, uh, um, straight down to verse 15, it says, once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah went up to pray. Eli, the priest, was sitting at his customary pray place besides the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish and she was crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for an entire lifetime. And the sign will be he will be dedicated to the Lord and his hair will never be cut. But as she was praying to the, to the Lord, Eli watched her and he saw her lips were moving, but no sound. And he thought she must be drinking. She offered no words, no sound, but her heart was crying out in worship to God. If we want to seize our moments, people of God, we will have to be people of worship. And we will have to back away from the fact that we want words or we want song or we want melodies. But we have to be people that are comfortable with just calling out who God is. Saying, Lord, you are great. You are abundantly above anything that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. So we take our eyes off the situation. We take our eyes off the fact that we stand at a crossroads and we're asking ourselves whether it's curtains or kairos and we choose to seize the opportunity. We choose to seize this kairos moment. So I want us this week as we go into our normal lives, let's look at these opportunities, these ways in which we know to identify these kairos moments. And let's seize. Let's seize those moments. And when something comes that you are like, whoa, I never expected this. Fight in another way. The ways we've been fighting haven't been effective enough. Let's fight in another way. Let's worship. Because he deserves our worship. And worship is the only thing we can give him. That he will not give himself. Bless you guys. I pray that everyone under the sound of my voice is able to see such an opportunity. And hopefully by another time where we get to meet together, we'll share testimonies of how God brought us through and how there was a time something came, but I bowed down and worshipped. And I saw the salvation of the Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. We are now going to enter into a time of worship. And if anything in the sermon stuck out to you, or you'd like prayer for anything at all, don't hesitate to contact us. We would love to pray for you. And if you're new to faith or would like to give your life to Jesus, we'd love to pray or answer any questions you might have. So join us now by clicking on the link in the description box below. You can also send us any prayer requests by DMing any of our social media accounts. And we are always praying for you, family. God bless. My beloved is the most.
is only one of you, Jesus. There is only one of you, Lord. There is only one Messiah, Yeshua Hamashiach. There is only one of you, Jesus. There is only one of you, Lord. There is only one Messiah, Yeshua Hamashiach. There is only one of you, Jesus. There is only one of you, Lord. There is only one Messiah, Yeshua Hamashiach. There is only one of you, Jesus. Yeshua Hamashiach There is only one of you, Jesus There is only one of you, Lord There is only one Messiah Yeshua Hamashiach There is only one of you, Jesus There is only one of you, Lord There is only one Messiah Yeshua There is only one of you, Jesus. There is only one of you, Lord. There is only one Messiah, Yeshua Hamashiach. There is only one of you, Jesus. There is only one of you, Lord. There is only one Messiah, Yeshua Hamashiach. There is only one of you, Jesus. There is only one of you, Lord. There is only one Messiah, Yeshua Hamashiach. There is only one of you, Jesus. There is only one of you, Lord. There is only one Messiah. And yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, yours is the glory.
Yeshua Mashiach, 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 You are Lord, Yeshua Mashiach, You are Lord. Yeshua Mashiach, you are Lord. Oh God, you are Lord. Yeshua Mashiach, you are Lord. Yeshua Mashiach, you are Lord. Yeshua Mashiach. Oh, Yeshua Mashiach, you are Lord. Yeshua Messiah, you are Access the Zoom below. Have a great week, guys. We'll see you next week. God bless.